0: Good morning, everybody. I wanted to just quickly remind you if you love B2B SaaS and you're loving all these CEOs I have on, remember you can get all of their data in a big, beautiful spreadsheet at gitlatka.com. That's G-E-T-L-A-T-K-A dot com. So I hope you're enjoying the month. I love December. I love the holidays. And here is our program for today. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Joe Pruse. He's the global head of revenue at Rubicon Project, responsible for all revenue-related activities across publishers, demand-side platforms, and global agency relationships, tasked with the goal of continuing the adoption and growth of automated advertising across all screens and devices, driving more than $1 billion in advertising spend. Formerly, he was head of Seller America's, responsible for Rubicon Project's largest revenue region for publishers across North America and Latin America. Joe, are you ready to take to the top.
1: Let's do it, Nathan. Glad to have me on. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. So um, ad tech in general, sometimes can be difficult for people to understand because there's so many sides and it's a marketplace and sometimes there's SaaS technology underneath all of it. So tell us what you guys do and what's your core, what's your main business model?
1: You got it. So our goal is to really automate all advertising. and It's not just digital, it's not just mobile, it's really all advertising. So about uh, about 10 years ago, we started uh, with our entry point into optimizing display inventory. Um, a little bit of background on, on that. Uh, prior to automating uh, advertising, via these kind of new programmatic channels. Uh, if you're a buyer uh, and you are in New York City on Madison Avenue, uh, you would have to pick a phone up, fax an order over to uh, multiple sellers, make change orders, uh, fax more contracts back. Uh, and as an example, just to add or subtract one new publisher from that order could cost you 10,000 bucks and 40 hours uh, of work. So instead, we thought computers should talk to computers and actually automate all of this. And so really what our job to do is to ensure that buyers can access high quality premium publisher inventory at scale, bid on that inventory uh, via technology and make the cost very low to bid. Give me an
0: example buyer, actually name a company and an example publisher, actually name the publisher.
1: Yeah, sure. So you have WPP, which is uh, the world's largest agency holding company bidding on behalf of thousands of advertisers. Uh, they'll bid through uh, our platform on publishers such as Wall Street Journal, eBay, Spotify, NBC, uh, the most premium brands in the business.
0: And how are you locking down the inventory on the Wall Street Journal? Do they literally set aside some pixels for your ads each each day, or what?
1: Yeah. So uh, take take a uh, uh, you know an average good publisher probably has a billion ad impressions per month. Um, they have a sales team, uh, whether it's a regional or a national, uh, or, or local, uh, based sales team, uh, contacting, you know, maybe tens of advertisers, maybe a couple hundred advertisers, but typically that average publisher does not sell out all of their available ad space, uh, each day. So instead, uh, they use technology platforms like ours to sell this inventory. Um, going back 10 years ago, it was their unsold inventory. Uh, now the buyers that we have on our platform rival, uh, kind of the buyers they sell direct to. And so a publisher will still sell some inventory to a direct advertiser, and then the rest of their inventory they'll leverage platforms like ours. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the inventory is exclusive just to our platform, uh, or other publishers will use many partners like us to fulfill their, their inventory.
0: And how do you make money?
1: Uh, we charge a, a typically a rev share model. So we charge a percentage uh, of the of the revenue that runs through our platform. Uh, on behalf of them,
0: what's I know you probably don't want to be very specific, but generally, what's a range of the percentage you take?
1: Yeah, well, our, our total. Uh, so, yeah, as a publicly traded company, uh, we have listed out you know what our total rates are. Uh, so, typically, it's around twenty to twenty-five percent of the total transaction.
0: Yep. So, just to be clear, if WPP on behalf of one of their advertisers is putting a million bucks through your platform, uh, two hundred fifty thousand of that's going to go to you for facilitating the buys. That is correct. Got it. How do you, so this is, I mentioned pre-show, we just had Bill Wise on, I think they're processing, I think 160 billion is what they're going to pass this year. And he talked about one of the reasons they've been able to grow is because they undercut folks, I think like you, because they're able to go so low on the cut they take, especially when they want to win strategic accounts that no one else can compete with them profitably. How do you beat somebody like that?
1: Yeah, well, we, we are operating very different businesses. And so they do media planning uh, and buying uh, uh, services for, uh, for advertisers. And so they can charge a really low fee just to process the transaction um, for, you know, for those services. We operate a uh, much different technology. So our, our technology uh, is actually creating these transactions in real time, allowing bidders to bid on the inventory in real time. Uh, our, our technology has to process uh, an entire transaction uh, in less than 300 milliseconds. Um, As a result of all of that, you know, we charge fees for all of that and the fees, um, you know, to do that, you know, need to need to be able to cover our cost to process that kind of high frequency, low latency infrastructure. Mm -hmm.
0: That makes good sense. Now, tell me more about your backstory here. So did you join the company early on as one of the founders? You're basically a founder or you were brought on by a VC firm later on or what? What's your story?
1: Yeah, no. So uh, so when I joined the company, um, we had around uh, about I interviewed the company had 30, uh, 30 customers. I'm sorry, 30 employees. Um, uh, when I joined about six weeks later, we had about 50. So we were, you know, we were growing <laughs> quite quick. Uh, I've been here for, um, a little over nine years. And so as a result of that, uh, I'm the fourth kind of longest tenured employee, um, in the company.
0: Got it. Now the and what are you, sorry, what are you guys at today in terms of total employees? Uh, about a little over 500. Got it. And, uh, obviously you're a public company, but it's just quick for me to ask you here. So total revenue, give us a sense of size of the company.
1: Yeah. So I think last year we did about a, about a billion dollar over a billion dollars in ad spend. Um, so it's a, you know, pretty, pretty good sized company. Can we
0: point. pull the 25% out of that and say you did at least 250 million bucks there in, in actual revenue?
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's fair.
0: Got it. Um, in terms of growth, like where are you at this stage, right? Public traded company, you've seen the whole kind of gamut. How are you getting new customers and maybe share a story of a weird thing you did to, to acquire one big customer you really wanted?
1: Well, uh, I mean, we have a pretty large, uh, you know, pretty large sales team right now. We've we've worked with how many uh, people? uh, Well, across across the company, uh, we have about two hundred in our revenue organization. Um, But most of those people are really servicing uh, existing business. Uh, The actual sales team, whose job is to prospect and find new accounts uh, on the publisher side globally, is probably you know less than fifteen. Yeah. Um, But the 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 company, the industry is in a very unique. Kind of period right now. Um, there's this new technology called header bidding, uh, which you may have read about. Um, as far as uh, kind of a new kind of uh, way to transact inventory in our space, um, okay, explain
0: what that is for people that don't know.
1: You got it. So typically, uh, orders run inside of an ad server. So this piece of uh, technology, it's code that sits either on the page or in the CMS, and its job is to deliver ad campaigns uh, against uh, against content. Um, and so uh, the way that ad tech platforms like ours worked previously is we would sit at a line item in that ad server. Now, we have bids that range from, you know, uh, let's say a $1 dollar on one, on one hand to $25 on the other hand, but it's all merged into an average price point. Um, that's not that effective because it means that our high value campaigns are being run alongside lower value campaigns. So what header bidding did is it allowed buyers uh, to bid on inventory, and then we can then take that actual real price and insert it into the ad server, and then allow the ad server to then decision off of a much more accurate price. Um, so it takes our price and de-averages it and puts it directly into the ad server at the appropriate line item. Um,
0: it's almost like it's almost like cohort treatment, right, for
1: ad servers. Well, I think the most the most important thing is we're no longer treated at single price point all of our pricing is now represented accurately in the ad server. So that allows uh, our, you know, so we have a technology we've led for many years called private marketplaces. Um, It allows a buyer and a seller to agree on a price and transact that on more premium inventory or on first party data segments that they kind of keep back and only sell in a more premium direct uh, kind of direct channel. Um, Well, that that inventory needs to run at a higher price point in the ad server. Therefore, header bidding allows us to transact on more premium supply, allowing us to bring more premium demand into our platform. Um, And so header bidding has really kind of, you know, turned the the world upside down. It's a really exciting evolution for the business. And
0: Was this part of the Ntoggle
1: acquisition? Is that really the tech that they had? No, uh, Ntoggle, so Ntoggle helps solve a problem with header bidding. One of the problems of header bidding is that bidders, these DSPs, these demand side platforms, They now can see the same impression from us. They can now see it from other platforms, meaning their cost to actually consume a bid request has doubled, tripled, sometimes even 10 times higher. What Intoggle does for us, is it allows us to take this explosion of traffic and then shape it down and only send the buyer the exact impression they want so that they don't have to listen to all of our inventory. We we process, uh, we see tens of billions uh, of ad impressions per day we process you know, tens of trillions of ad requests per month. Um, and as a result of that, the more efficient we can be with matching supply with demand, the lower the cost comes for all of the buyers on our platform
0: guys, I get asked all the time, Nathan, you host all these interviews, hundreds of them per month, how do you do them efficiently? And guys, the answer is simple. People always agree to my calendar, back to back meetings, I batch my interviews to stay very efficient. And the way that I do it is I use a tool called acuity scheduling at nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule. And the reason I use them is very simple. They keep my no show rate very low because they send out reminders about when the interview or the meeting is coming up. And also they make it very easy to schedule time, right? I don't have to go back and forth via email 10,000 times with people I'm trying to meet with. Okay. at Nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule helps me so much. And by the way, look, I like have so many meetings. I'm the best at meetings. Okay. I do them back to back. Very, very efficient. You guys know me. Many people say I'm the most efficient they've ever seen. Okay. So I use the tool. It's so efficient. And by the way, I got Gavin. I said, Gavin, he's the CEO. I said, I want a great deal for my people. He said, Nathan, well, most people get a 14-day trial. Isn't that great? I said, no. He's given us a 45-day free trial at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. That's not going to stay up forever, so go get it now. NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. As a a CRO that was there kind of pre-IPO, like that's quite a transition, right? Way more freedom. There's way more going on now. It's like, Oh, on a podcast interview like this, you say this, don't say this. You have a whole press team that has to set things up. You probably have to operate in much more confined space. You as an entrepreneurial thinker, I mean, how do you think about your opportunity cost right now? You at a publicly traded company, but you could be going off and doing your own thing and you own hundred percent of it and you could easily get funding because of your success. How do you, how do you weigh that?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, I think you know a, a lot of young entrepreneurs always think the grass is you know the grass is greener um and so that's kind of one thing that I think is really important to think about second most importantly the number of reason why I love being here at Ubercom project is because every single year this industry changes sometimes multiple times per year I have never stopped learning in 10 years um and as a result it's it, I feel like we are still uh, a startup even though we have 500 employees we got 150 million in cash in the bank or a publicly traded company, this industry is changing so rapidly and I've never stopped learning. And that's why I'm super jazzed to still be here.
0: As CRO, I mean, we're seeing an overall theme, especially in the US right now, about generally speaking, tech companies having a lot of cash on their balance sheet just because of the macroeconomics and the world economies right now. As CRO, are you tasked with figuring out how to make that cash in the bank make you more money?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it comes down to, to, you know, the the effective uh, allocation of resources. Um, And we need to figure out uh, many things, one of which is uh, our pricing models. Um, do we leverage our cash on, on our balance sheet to to be more aggressive in some instances um, as an example obviously uh, the, the, the revenue organization that I run, we interface with our product org every single day, and our job is to figure out what new products we bring to market. Do we spend more cash to build uh, new technologies and so obviously we have a really important part of you know, determining how we spend that money.
0: So, but I guess my, my question is more, maybe I'll be more specific as CRO, you're making decisions about, okay, can we subsidize pricing for a few months to come in at a lower price point and beat out competitors? Or should we use some of that cash to go make another acquisition that will help us in the public markets? Or can we use that cash and go do X, Y, and Z with it to do these things? I mean, is your general job thinking about how to use the money in the bank to drive a higher return? Or is it just focused on how do I drive more revenue, new revenue?
1: Yeah, well, the, the primary job is to figure out how do we grow, uh, how do we ma- maintain our revenue base and grow it? Uh, that's, that's that's the primary decision. Um, but we have a lot of money in the bank, and we need to figure out, are we being most effective with it? And so part of that is interfacing with our our core dev team, our m team, our product team to figure out, you know, do we buy, build, et cetera?
0: How do you make a decision around
1: buy, build, or acquire, right? How do you, how do you find those targets? Yeah. Well, I think one thing uh, that we focus on is uh, we can't do everything. So we're a large platform. We have thousands of customers on both sides of the equation. We can't build everything. And so there are certain parts of our technology that are core and are critical to us. And as a result of that, it's just hard for us to outsource that or or to buy it. We typically build that kind of stuff. Um, There are certain parts of of the technology where uh, it's a different focus. Intoggle is a great example. Uh, for us to build that, it would have taken us you know, another one to two years and we would not have been able to do other things. And as a result, we made the decision that we're, we're going to buy because we can accelerate it. Um, it. Header bidding is a phenomenon that happened very, very quick. Uh, and as a result of that, all of these opportunities, but also challenges, sprang up as a result of that. Um, and so when we saw that our our, our buyers uh, these demand side platforms are being inundated with, you know, trillions of bid requests and that their cost to operate their business went up drastically without a ton of extra revenue. We saw an opportunity to lower their cost structure by 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 acquiring Intoggle. And, you know, we could have built it ourselves in one to two years, but it was just better for us to buy it and roll it out. And now that's a competitive advantage for our platform.
0: It was worth, I think it was public, a $38 million acquisition price. It was worth it. Absolutely. Yep. How many other
1: acquisitions have you guys done since you've been public? Or
0: is that the only one?
1: Uh, we've done quite a few. Uh, we've probably done uh, somewhere between three and four um, as a public company. And we've done, we did probably three or four prior to that. Uh, typically, uh, I mean, I think for us, the execution risk of a large acquisition is is high. Um, Intoggle is a great example because their mission was so closely aligned to our mission. Uh, and is around 20 or so employees. So it wasn't, you know, biting off too much. Uh, we've had other um, acquisitions that were you know between four and five employees and that those are uh, great to manage when you're talking 100 200 folks then you're you know then you're uh you know the challenges exactly
0: joe this is good stuff man let's wrap up here with the famous five these are one word answers number one what's your favorite business book
1: Pour your heart into it by howard
0: schultz number two is there a ceo you're following or studying right now
1: uh actually three i think uh jeff bezos uh because his ability to focus on the customer and be obsessed by the customer uh, Warren Buffett because, uh, he loves to keep things simple. Um, if he can't understand a prospectus, then he doesn't invest. Um, which I think is a you know pretty important thing to happen. Uh, and then again, back to Howard Schultz, I'm um, sorry, back, um, uh, back to Howard Schultz.
0: Yep. Howard Schultz. All right. Number three, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool?
1: Uh, I would say the great suspender. Uh, have you heard of that before? Yeah.
0: it suspends your tabs. That thing is an incredible tool.
1: <laughs> That's it for me.
0: Hey, let me ask you a question on that. If he took you when he suspended your tabs to like an experience that like somehow made you be more productive instead of that light blue screen, would you like that from a product perspective or no? You just like the light blue kind of dead screen with no utility?
1: Uh, well, I think the, 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 what I'm trying to find uh, is, uh, well, I would say for me, I use this because it's easy for me to prioritize what's going on by keeping tabs open, knowing in the the day I can go back and close out and see what, you know, what I've accomplished. I don't want a distraction there. So I would prefer to keep it where it is today.
0: Yep. Number uh, four, how many hours of sleep
1: are you getting every night? Uh, I have young kids. uh, So it's uh, definitely nowhere near eight. All right. Well, what do you get? Uh, Probably like five and a half to six. Yeah. So I see a wedding
0: ring on. So you're married, you've got two kiddos and how old are you? Um, 39, 39. All right. Last question. Take us back 19 years. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Uh,
1: I would say, uh, be bold, uh, do not be afraid to fail. Um, and those two things will take you far in life.
0: There you guys have it from Joe, Chief Revenue Officer at the Rubicon Project, B Boulder. They've since scaled processing well over a billion dollars in uh, uh, spend through their platform. They take about 25% on average, so 250 million bucks in revenue. Organization organizations, about 600 folks deep now. He joined very early on. He's kind of seen it all, but he's sticking with it because he sees the upside and he's still
1: excited and learning something new every day coming in the company. Joe, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan.